This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So have you guys heard about this whole Roman Empire sort of viral thing that's been going? I mean, I, I'm assuming Brent has not heard about this. I have not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, a TikToker, a TikToker, wow. A TikTok user posted a video um, recently about the men in her life and how often they think about the Roman Empire. I wanted to play a little clip of what she was saying about Ladies, please ask all the men in your life how often they think about the Roman Empire. You are going to be shocked with their responses. <laughs> For context, I was at dinner and me and my girls were talking and someone brought up how often does your boyfriend or your anyone, any man in your life think about the Roman Empire? I'm like, why the fuck would they think about that, right? Wrong. They think about it a lot, you guys. And I asked a ton of guys in my life, and I'm going to just show you their responses. <laughs> so I asked them, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Out of the blue. Just would ask a ton of my guy friends. Weekly. Probably twice a week. My father also said the same thing and then proceeded to talk about the rise and fall, masculinity, conquering, and just went on and on. So basically what she's saying is that the men in her life think about the Roman Empire a lot, as you heard, like once a week, basically. And presumably straight men is what I'm assuming. And this sort yeah. of became a thing online where even the likes of Lisa Rinna would, would go up to, you know, uh, what's her, who's her husband? Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin. Yeah, she'd go up and be like, Harry, 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 how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And he was like, mm, maybe once a month. Like, I mean, literally, like, it's just, it became this sort of thing that straight dudes think about the Roman Empire a lot. But it wasn't even just, it didn't, I mean, then it grew into being more than just that. So, of course, we all know that Romans dabbled in the booty play. We all know that. Right, I've heard that. I've heard that. But no, Romans did too. Romans love some booty play. Didn't you ever see that show Rome where they, like, had, like... There's stories. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to say what the stories are because they're kind of yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they had right. olive oil. Exactly. Uh, and also women. There are some women apparently online who are sharing about thinking about the Roman Empire. But I wanted to know what you guys think of this. Do you think about the Roman Empire ever? When was the last time you ever thought about the Roman Empire? And if it's if it's true that mostly straight dudes are thinking about the Roman Empire, what is the queer equivalent of the Roman Empire? Well, I don't think Brent gets to answer either. Well, I mean, genuinely, it's like, 
Brent could never answer that last question. Like, <laughs> there's no world in which Brent has is tapped into anything remotely like gay mainstream. <laughs> but he could share what his Roman Empire is. I'd, lo- I, I'd love to know that question. The answer to the well, both those I, questions. I'll, I'll, I'll go first, Elliot, uh, and I'll, I'll put your judgment aside. <laughs> and I, I will say, I don't, I don't think about the Roman Empire at all. I always thought ancient Greek and ancient Rome was so fucking boring to I me. I agree. But as 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 came up as what came up recently on the podcast, I am obsessed with me- the medieval era, especially like blue bubonic plague era, like 13 1400s. Uh I just I I think about that like what it was like living in London. Mm. Uh, in like 1390 during the plague, I probably think about that like every other day. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah, I just I, I, I maybe not every other day, but probably once a week I will be like, what was it like wow. 600 years ago to do this? And and it oh, I, there, I don't know. There's sometimes you're just like the knowledge that we have now as society is so um, vast. its own burden. It's yeah. vast. Yeah. And you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Like, was life better? when when you thought that like leeches would cure the bump on your head or, or I, think, I think life like, was better when there were like less outlets i think life was probably better before everyone felt like they could needed to share their opinion yeah well or yeah. that they were deserving of doing so that's like 20 yeah. years ago even yeah but 20. wait i'm sorry before we go on i'm i still i'm fascinated with this whole trend because i don't fully understand why well straight men think about the roman empire often i mean i think, I think it, yeah i mean if you think about like i mean because isn't like gladiator part of the roman empire isn't that i don't I think, think so. it is i don't yeah. i mean again we're the worst people to discuss this because i we don't even yeah. know what encompasses right, the roman right. empire but i think it has a lot to do with sort of that the the sort of the roots of war the roots of the conversation around war the roots of sort of mobilization of 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 Purified masculinity is what I wrote down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There is there is sort of, I think, an element of that. And I get that part of it. It bores the shit out of me. Yeah. But I get it. Like I get why they would. I think it's but then again, I think about like for me, for me personally, my Roman empires that I think about a lot are I have three. Um, are I think I think about the British monarchy a lot. I think about British history a sure. lot. There's a lot of yeah. moments that I think about that. Um, and I think about que- like Queen Elizabeth the first. I thought you were lot. gonna say Queen Latifah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but I'll I'll get to that. Um, and I think about presidential history a lot, but that's because of my education background. So whenever I hear a year, I think about who the president was, what was going sure. on. Like that's yeah, where my brain immediately goes. Very fun. But the thing, the thing that I think about. More, I will probably say, I think about this weekly, which is not disgusting, but it's like insane that my brain thinks about this this much. Michelle Pfeiffer not being nominated for an Academy Award for Batman Returns. That is okay. That is that is my Roman Empire. I think about her performance in Batman Returns. Was it that good? It was incredible. It was seismic in a way that we've never seen anything like that on screen. It was insane. And if it was a film that came out today, because now they're used to giving Batman movies Oscars, she would be nominated. But in 1992, no one was ready for it. Well, that's literally, that's one of the reasons, (laughs) not to get off in the weeds on this, that's one of the reasons I stopped watching the Oscars 
was because you're like, they don't, they're giving it to the quote best actor Mm -hmm. who did the right PR campaign in, in the right movie. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Catherine O'Hara in Best in Show is so genuine. Oh, She's yeah. so good I agree. in that role. Like, it's it's never truly who uh, who is so uh, captivating as an yeah. actor or actress that you genuinely lose yourself. You lose track of how famous this person is or, yeah. or all these other things. Anyway, well, that's, that's why, in the weeds. But that's, why, but that's why, to your point, that's why the Michelle Pfeiffer thing is so fascinating because she was nominated for an Oscar the year Batman Returns came out, but not for Batman Returns. For a super small independent film nobody saw. It was not even that great of a performance called Love Field. And there's a lot of assumption that people were like, okay, Michelle Pfeiffer was huge this year. Everyone was talking about her in Batman Returns, but they couldn't nominate her for Batman Returns because it's a fucking Batman movie. So they gave it to her for Love Field. So it proves your point that like, it's it's all PR and politics. That's kind of, isn't that the story of Whoopi? Like Whoopi won for Ghost, but should have been nominated for A Color Purple. Well, she was nominated for A Color Purple, but The Color Purple in 1985, shockingly was nominated for like 11 Oscars and lost every single one of them. And then five years later, she's nominated for Ghost. But I would, argue that she deserved that she was win good in ghost. ghost yeah she deserved that win for ghost but yeah. elliot tell us that like what are your like comparable obsessions if you have any and what do you think to answer alan's question posed originally several minutes ago what do you think is a gay equivalent of the roman empire well for me like the roman my roman empire is like late 80s sharper image aesthetics <laughs> <laughs> like genuinely like that when harry met sally that universe of like thinking like beanbag ca- chairs <laughs> yes like thinking that a karaoke machine is like really cool or like yeah big when tom hanks lives in the soho loft that's filled with toys mm-hmm. like i'm just into like that late 80s early 90s no not in the early 90s late 80s sort of tech forward epcot style digital yeah digital fronting uh, digital digital fronted era um but i don't have a room that's that's not really historically speaking that's honestly as far as i go i, I don't uh, know wait, let, let me let me interrupt for a second <laughs> wait historically are... speaking that's as far as elliot goes far 1989 go. yeah. <laughs> i i, I want to say this, this has come up on the podcast elliot you are such a sucker for early to mid aught internet culture more than anyone I, yeah, I I've, I've ever known. Obviously you, you were a writer, you were a blogger for many years when you lived in New York. Um, and like to this day, the guests that we have on that you will absolutely cackle with delight with are the ones who touch upon internet culture circa 2005 to 2011. Yeah, yeah, I love, I do, I mean, I wouldn't want to go back to that era, but there is something so inherently innocent about how goofy the internet still was, Yeah, you know, like, Facebook was goofy, and like, like, you know, I mean, we've talked about, I think nothing is funnier than the No Hate campaign, the NOH8, where celebrities, quote unquote, or like Dina Lohan, they pose for pictures like shushing, or like, looking yeah. like like that photo naughty or the yeah. photo campaign that was technically i guess meant to combat homophobia i, I couldn't even tell you what it was about well, it was about it was a, it was before marriage equality and it was all a stem oh from, yes okay so it was, but it was literally just like f g h to z list celebrities being <laughs> like just wanting a blown out a picture where they're where the brightness is blown out the contrast is it, really it, intense not great pictures yeah 
and just so they could for some reason have them it was the silliest mm-hmm. it was the silliest potent you know possible use for the of the internet in, in in all capacities but i love that era of just like right before it was you know narcissism was so full-blown and like everyone's yeah. opinion yeah. became the you know the the reason the to be on i had a photo yeah. from that time that i forget who took the photo but it was it was it was a no hate style photo but it was called over eight and it was just me <laughs> It was just me. It was just me with like ketchup on myself and stuff. Oh wait, ah. did you? I know who did it. It who was Ben Lerman. Ben Lerman. Oh, that's right. Ben did do it. That's right. He wow. did like a, a a campaign that was like a no hate satire. Yeah. That back in New York, that I remember being like, I gotta go do this, and it was like, that's I went great. to his apartment for like twenty for twenty minutes to. Yeah. To, to, I don't even remember yeah. what I what I wrote, but you know, yeah. it was very tongue in cheek. But anyway, in retrospect, yes, you're right. Like, wait, so but what do we think? queer yeah. Roman Empire. I mean, I'm thinking just based on meme culture alone and sort of like how meme culture, because that's really, I think, our Roman Empire. I'm thinking like movies of like the 90s and aughts, like Mean Girls situation. You know what I mean? Like that kind mm. of, that's... Yeah, the, I, their it, Roman Empire is the Vanity Fair cover with like Amanda Bynes and Hilary Duff yeah. and Lindsay Lohan. Like that is the sort of millennial gay... Yeah. Roman Empire, their Roman Empire. I, I, I feel like if we're t- if we're really trying to to hit the nail on the head here, we're talking about um, uh, an er- uh, an era or a concept that gay men sort of across the board are frequently thinking about. Mm-hmm. I would guess a little closer to that. I would guess like old, like nineteen fifties style famous women, like Audrey Hepburn. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. I f- like sort of. Uh, what would you call that? Like um, old Hollywood. Yeah, old Hollywood. I mean, but then it, as that I say feels, this, I'm that like, feels I don't true, know. That but feels it feels little... that feels older to me. Like that feels like Jenna, a generation yeah. after. Yes, a generation before us. Yeah, that's that's to me. That's like the 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 Barbara stands and yeah. old yeah. Hollywood stands. Although you got one Barbara stand right here. <laughs> oh, Broadway, right. maybe Broadway. Oh. I think, I think Broadway. I ruined our clean ending. Show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ending. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not even joking. We are joined today by the fantastic Jonathan Andre Culleton. Hello, Jonathan. Hey. Hi. How, How's everyone? Uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm so good. Yeah, I'm like one week away from shooting a film. So oh, wow. Um, the intensity is increasing. What's yeah, the we're... movie? Give us a sneak peek. 
we're we're shooting Will of Justice Drag Queen Private Eye, which stars Lady <laughs> Shalane, the Desert Queen. She is the queen of the high desert right now. Wow. And uh Scott Turner Schofield, who is um an Emmy nominated trans actor that oh. uh, I'm lucky enough to call my friend. So uh oh, we're fun. Well, be a... moving a week. That's that'll wonderful. be a great project. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Well, your yeah. podcast, I want to talk to you about your podcast because it's fantastic sure. and I, it's just wonderful. Trans Cinematic Universe Podcast. Elliot Correct. has done it. Um, Brent yes. is not going to do it. I will do it. No, I'm joking. He will do it. We don't, whenever, <laughs> whenever. rarely invited to, like, to do other wow. people's last week. Last week we had some friends on and we were all joking about how Brent would be very low on the list of guests. So we want to keep that <laughs> joke going. So we want to keep that joke going. Um, but no, your podcast is fantastic. So tell us about it. it it looks at movies through the scope of whether it was transphobic or trans in general right i mean i think we look at things through a gender expansive lens and inevitably with a trans host and queer guests we usually end up talking about some of the transphobia and homophobia that we find especially in movies that um are from basically the the aughts and back yeah um now we're changing a little bit but we're still talking about um can i swear on this podcast yes you can. yes um we're still this, talking this ain't about npr baby this ain't npr we're, we're still talking about fucked up shit happening yeah. in you know narratives uh of of movies that came out this year so you know, it's, it's funny um, you say that because i'll just throw this out real quick is that um i was with some friends recently and they were reminding me of Ace Ventura Pet Detective oh, and yeah. how yes. that movie ends and and do you Jonathan do you want to tell yes. the audience a little a little bit about how the movie ends? I get to I, tell, I've forgotten yeah as the trans person I get to tell everybody <laughs> oh, no no how I, Ace Ventura <laughs> he's just joshing you he deserved that rest yeah um, but yes uh, it's basically the person is uh, unveiled to be a trans woman yeah. and people start barfing like that's the Ugh. main joke of it is that they're like physically ill it's something that you see in um a lot of movies but it's particularly egregious in that one it's also you know especially for our age group it's like a movie that we all watch that we all As love kids it was huge. yeah it's a huge film yeah huge yeah i mean harry was huge there was another one that i recently just watched a video it was really funny it was um it was about uh trans men watching and reacting to she's the man and yes it, oh my it's, god have you seen yeah, that my boyfriend was my boyfriend was watching that sometimes i choose to watch those things out of the corner of my eye <laughs> in my living room instead of fully engaging with them because i'm like why do i need that but i love right. she's the man yeah tell me about that so like i mean on one hand, why you love She's the Man, but on another Ooh. hand, I want to know sort of like, how do you find this balance? Because I, I struggle with this a lot with just in general popular culture, this balance of Ugh. calling out the problematic thing, of course, that was always problematic and should have been problematic in the 80s and 90s and aughts and all those things, but also uh -huh. having understanding for the different time in which the thing was created. Like there's a balance there sometimes with sure. some of the content. So like, how do you address that as well? Sure. Well, I think one thing to understand is that all of the issues are incredibly complicated. I think when I'm looking at She's the Man, which I think was like our second episode on the podcast. So and that was like a full like love fest after like the week before Mrs. Doubtfire being super triggering for my sibling as the guest. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, talking about like that movie in particular, uh, 
Amanda Bynes is one thing that comes to mind and like how her trajectory has been really um, messed up by her struggles with mental health and people's like perception of that. So just watching it makes me kind of like just want to hero her yeah. um, because it just just because of what happened to her. Um, but also that, you know, she's the man is uh, it's written by the same screenwriters who whose names will escape me. But it's like they wrote House Bunny. They wrote like 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. They wrote all these like 90s teen movies that like my sibling literally had the cutout of 10 Things I Hate About You in their bedroom. House Bunny like, is incredible. Just... House Bunny <laughs> is a such great... a good movie. And it's so comedically influential. Yeah. So you're talking to comedy writer, comedy director. Of course, I'm going to be heavily influenced by uh, movies like that. And especially because they were AFAB writers, mm -hmm. um, people who, yeah, don't have a dong. And so that changes basically everything in your existence. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally like had um like a lot of respect for them as well mm -hmm. um obviously when you watch movies like that now they're gonna really step in it like there's just no way around the fact that just like your dad they're gonna fucking step in it sometimes when they're trying to talk <laughs> about um modern day issues yeah. you know so um and, and, that's but, but I, I, I guess, yeah, I guess my my question is like, so you, you touch upon your dad. So how do uh, perhaps you're saying that with some experience, maybe how do sure. you have these conversations? Um, like, how do you have conversations with folks who step in it, but but have, I think, you know, good intentions at heart? Sure. Well, my dad is 80 years old. So um, someone like that, it's kind of like. Yeah, there's not a huge amount uh, that we're going to bridge in some areas of understanding. However, um, yeah, I think when whenever I'm approaching someone, um, you could see from the hat, I'm from Boston. So right. I have this weird, like, I really don't give a fuck. Like, my sibling always talks about this. My sibling is NB, so we're, we're two queer kids you know, growing up Catholic in Boston. Just um, for people listening, non-binary, because I don't, I don't think people are down <laughs> yeah, with the yeah. vernacular a little yeah. bit. So yeah, and a slash me, I didn't get it either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you know, the, like that's kind of like um, something that maybe like in the 90s we would think about this inter internally think about our queerness and be like dad's never gonna understand mm -hmm. but luckily like my dad in particular um is just a really kind person um he's catholic but he's also like a real kind of christian values person mm -hmm. of like do, like i don't i'm not god so luckily that's how we lucked out um, yeah. How I approach everybody else and kind of including my dad, I guess, sometimes um, if he gets something really wrong is just to to talk to them about it in a way where I'm not trying to make them feel comfortable at all. Yeah. Like that's like my basic one rule is like I'm not going to do anything to um, make you comfortable, but I am going to make you feel safe. There's yeah. a real difference there. Um, and the queer, like queer people are really welcoming because we understand rejection. Mm -hmm. So we're like looking at this going, I know you don't understand. I didn't understand at one point either. Um, but it's going to be uncomfortable because it's different. Yeah. And that's something too, that I think, I mean, you brought up Mrs. Doubtfire, which I think is, is such an interesting 
topic of conversation within this in that that film was insanely huge on a level yeah. that like I mean it dominated popular culture in the mid 90s in so many ways and I remember loving it as a kid I mean to this day it's how I knew the matchmaker song from Fiddler that's where I first heard it was from uh, Mrs. Doubtfire matchmaker and, matchmaker make, make me, me a match. match yes and I so it was such an influential <laughs> film and so now of course looking at it through the lens in which we look at it it can be Maybe complicated and creepy, but at the same time, oh. it can be used as a statement, and it is used often with sort of like a lot of these drag bands and everything being with them posting memes saying like, "This was okay in 1993. What changed?" Sort sure. of thing. So like, do you completely like? I mean, how do you have that conversation saying like, do you tell people stop watching this movie? It's 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 uh. it's the message is actually horrible, or like, how do you combat that sort of nostalgic love that people have? for that film while at the same time being like, but look a little deeper. Yeah. I mean, there, I don't think people should stop watching those films altogether. There's an amazing performance in there. Um, I think sometimes the question is really how much are we going to challenge people to understand the nuances here? Mrs. Doubtfire isn't about a trans woman. Like we can all agree about that. It's about a, father who becomes so desperate to be in his kids lives that he does something he never would have thought doing because his queer brother um is entrenched in queer culture and he was never really a part of it um but he loves his brother so there's an openness and acceptance in this character um i think it gets complicated because there's a lot of like People talk about how we're uh, trying to do nefarious things yeah. by dressing in these costumes, etc. Yeah. And I think the thing is, like, if people just make it a black and white conversation, then they're missing all of the stuff it could be about. Mm-hmm. Um, what I try to encourage people to do with my show and just like in daily life is to talk about these things it in a way that's like unafraid and honest about you know maybe some of the things that were contributed to you know societally even from that film heartbreakingly from this like beloved actor who's no longer with us complicated discussion but it doesn't have to not be had i think people need to be challenged more mm-hmm. what I think may that, i ask that... what Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, let me just let me just throw out this real quick, Elliot. I, I, I really like that answer. I think it, it's sort of been a, a fairly consistent theme of mine on this podcast as someone who, you know, uh, is not trans. But uh-huh. like, I feel like the the online discussion about trans rights has sort of been very black and white and is sometimes gets shut down, I think, too quickly. Um, uh-huh. I think people tend to say, well, if you don't understand, then you're the problem and you're a bigot. And and I just think sometimes and I, I'm speaking, I think, m- widely to trans uh, allies uh, more than the trans community, because I think the trans community is, is very consistently trying to explain how they feel. And the allies are the ones who are like, how dare you yeah. uh, when you don't instantly understand what's happening? So I I, I think you're hitting I mean, in, in my opinion, you're saying really, really thought, thoughtful 
smart things about how we can kind of win over hearts and minds. Yeah. I also do think though, that there is one black and white thing about it, which is that trans rights are not up for debate. Yes. You can't debate the rights of a, another human being. Mm -hmm. And we live in a country that like when I was a kid in the nineties, I used to be like, wow, these powerful documents, you know, that people made and wrote for freedom to protect our freedom. And to protect our pursuit of happiness, that's like the one I always think about. Mm -hmm. um, nobody has a right to fuck with that. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing where I'm like, I will not debate that. I can, you know, I will debate pretty much anything else. Yeah. But we're not talking about what we have a right to do. Yeah. Um, we're talking about like what's happening in society because of the way it's been structured mm -hmm. that allows this horrible pushback I mean, it, we're just really talking about people being bored and then going i want to put on this shirt instead of this blouse yeah. put this lipstick on instead of these shoes like literally it's yeah. that basic mm -hmm. and people just go but it's about the children and it's about oh my like, god whatever my so it's like what the fuck my favorite thing to do on like on instagram i'll post a clip that might have anything to do with trans or drag or anything gay culture from like you know a movie or something and they'll talk about the mm. children and i always pin a comment being like the kids are all right calm down <laughs> You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. is Drag so fucking are not interested in your kids. But it's not even that. Everyone is the kids so... are gay. Everyone is not even. <laughs> it's, it's not even that. Everyone is so fucking concerned. It all stems from like the 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 knife and the Halloween candy shit. Everyone's so fucking right. concerned Rindable, about someone yeah. coming out there to kill your kid. Yeah, they're Did not coming happen? to kill your kids. Well, I don't. I don't even think it's that. I mean, I think that used to be just like a a common you know idea of like worrying about children, you know, in, in like an overprotective sense. But I think it was, there's this, I think the reason that I have such a, I'm, I've been so like surprised by the, like the digging into these archaic right-wing ideologies about the LGBTQ people and, and the transgender experience and transgender rights and children's rights and groomers and like, to me, I'm like, wait, so you're repackaging what Anita Bryant was doing in the early 80s and you're buying it? And yeah. and again, my, my thing, I mean, and I talked about this in your podcast, Jonathan, I'm just, I'm not even, I, I am genuinely like, you. I think it is so weird for anybody to think it's their right to debate anybody else's right to do something, to, to have the inalienable rights as a human being or an American. It is so weird that somebody else would care about care, not only care enough in the first place, but care enough to make your life or somebody else's life harder. And it's the small government, yeah. and it's the small government people having that conversation, which is the wild thing. You know what I mean? It's the it's the Republicans who believe in taking the government out of our homes and our bedrooms and our lives. So, like, calm yeah. down, everyone. Calm down. Uh, I wanted to yeah. ask you though about so recent episodes. You had you had. Mm. Um, recent movies that you guys you talked about on your on your yeah. podcast and just sure. i'm really curious to see what the reaction was so from barbie sure. what was the reaction to barbie because that's the biggest one of the moment yeah um my friend sid Ballou did that episode he's like the king of trans men drag uh not drag a ball he's the you know like this um house of extravaganza guy he likes everything big so he loved the spectacle for me i you know it's like I take it apart as a filmmaker too. So I'm like more focused on this like Greta Gerwig direction that, 
you know, is is hitting the notes so hard for the feminism. I'm like, should there be a little more um, gradation here? And then I'm kind of like, fuck that. Yeah. Feminism has been overdue for a billion dollar movie. Um, feels like uh, ha- there hasn't been such fervor since Bridesmaids. Yeah. Two, I think 2000, is that 2012? yeah. I always want to say 2016 and that it's 2012. It's yeah, been yeah, right. a million years. And it's yeah. like, I, you know, you can't even make this shit up. Like mm-hmm. Barbie was the perfect storm. Um, and in so many universes, mm-hmm. parallel universes, it was probably knowed by those executives. But in our universe, it happened. So yeah. um, pretty jazzed about that and kind of like just love the color pink. So it's like I just want all the clothes and all the T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What about what, what, are, what about Star Wars Return of the Jedi? I want to know. Oh, my God. Because that one, I feel... I feel like yeah, the Star Wars curveball. Star Wars franchise in general is pretty queer. Sure. I mean, one reason that movie came up was just because our guest is from the is an actor from the Trekkie universe. So I was like, please do a Star Trek. And she was like, they like literally called me and said, don't do that on that show. <laughs> so she wasn't allowed. But um, I think it's interesting, you know, that we both had uh this relationship with it that was sort of like our our boy peers when we were growing up and it was about fitting in um with the boys i didn't have any boys around me that were interested in star wars but what i had was uh the commercials for the vhs reissue and then phantom menace on the docket a year later that was what was happening when i was 11. so i was like oh my god like this is they're making a star wars for me you know yeah yeah i think in my mind i have all these really vivid memories of like going to phantom menace and watching those vhs's for the first time and feeling very like a boy like just being like this is right Mm -hmm. um you know cue then 10 years of denial but it's it's really important for trans people to have those those dear memories so both me and Steph even though Steph is a cis woman had these memories of being accepted into boy culture and having that be like a a weird memory that we have now Mm -hmm. um of boyhood well and I mean I, I have I have to talk about Jar Jar Binks because that is the ultimate Star Wars tra- <laughs> that is the ultimate Star Wars trans character. No one said ever. Like, I mean, like t- Jar. No, I'm gonna say it because I love Jar Jar, but also I feel oh, like wow. Jar Jar inherently is like the ultimate trans character within the Star Wars universe. You don't know what anything about Jar Jar. Like Jar Jar is non-binary on so many levels: masculine, feminine, like literally. Jar Jar is the queer icon that we need in Star Wars. Oh my God. I never thought, I never thought I always was like, I love my favorite part of Jar Jar is in the second episode two, when they're writing his character off and he's talking to Natalie Portman. He's like, I'm going to be doing this while you're away. I'm doing that. And she goes, okay, I gotta go. Like she (laughs) Well, I that also I have one more movie that I have to ask you about because it's my favorite yeah. one that you covered. Um, yeah. Fried Go green tomatoes. It. Fried green tomatoes. Oh. 
I I mean, Tawanda, I literally, I interviewed Kathy Bates like maybe a week after I passed in Illinois a sign that said Tawanda, Illinois, and I got very, oh very excited to tell her that. Um, how did, yeah. how was that perceived? Yeah, I mean, that, that episode, again, the, the guest is always um, such a great way to experience the film. This is some, a queer person that I'd grown up with in our 20s um and held that film dear just like me because they had watched it and been like i know what's happening here it's not explicit mm -hmm. but i feel it and i feel these feelings um so it, and and that happens with race in the movie too which is so amazing the movie is like uh i have i think i have a female director i can't really do anything here yeah. i don't want to piss any execs off but they managed to get away with so much and you can read reviews of the movie from the time and it's like oh yeah these bosom friends yeah I'm like yeah these real their heads good in their friends bosoms. yeah yes. like literally yeah, yeah, yeah. it's lesbianic so um and Wild. it's it's such a hero thing like who wouldn't want like mary stewart masterson to be like coming out of the woods and climbing into your window and well, be like, i'm into you well, <laughs> i mean, mean <laughs> maybe I'm, you never know i would rather have it's kathy boyish luck i would rather have kathy bates wrapped in <laughs> yes, cellophane yeah. coming out of the woods to be honest uh, i'm sorry as a well, drag king. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where of can course. people find your podcast? Where can people find you online? Yes. I mean, we're all over. So just put in Trans Cinematic Universe. Um, and you want to go to my website, heathenhenshaw.com. You can find out about all our productions. I want to say this really clearly if you'll give me one second please uh gofundme.com slash f slash willa dash justice that's gonna lead you to funding that drag film and it is like the work on this film is mainly donated and when i tell you that like these people are incredible i'm not mm. fucking lying if you want to see the drag version of austin powers in the fucking desert fund this film with me um i'll write it and direct it and uh you give the cash oh i love that <laughs> i love that thank you so much jonathan thank you it's great to see y'all yeah. and uh have a great episode and another thing so elliot called me a few weeks ago to say that he was standing on the edge of his building threatening to jump off and i said good heavens elliot why and then he started to tell me uh, about an article he read in the LA Times that explored how the younger generation of Americans is having less sex than ever before. And so anyway, I was calmly able to get Elliot <laughs> off off the ledge of his building. I told him not to jump. It's not worth it. It's okay. But I wanted to kind of dive into this I article. Was so because I, think it, I think it's upset. Uh, it was literally the first time you've ever played along with an unhinged joke. Is like <laughs> that after 260 episodes, you finally played along. Um, anyway, so I wanted to kind of dive into this, uh, this study. So according to the article and the study, uh, the article's talking about, millennials and now Gen Zers are having less sex with fewer partners than their parents' and grandparents' generations. The social isolation and transmission scares of COVID-19 of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic 
have obviously played a role in this shift, but researchers say that's not the whole story because the, quote, no rush for sex trend predates the pandemic, according to a solid body of research. According to a UCLA survey, the number of young Californians ages 18 to 30 who reported having no sexual partners in the prior year reached a decade high of 38%. Oh my God, Elliot. Elliot just doused himself in gasoline. Elliot, stop! <laughs> Don't. Don't light yourself on fire. It's okay. Anyway, that's, I mean, we could get into the weeds on all these numbers, but it's, it, I think we should just have a conversation about where do you think this might be coming from? Wait, in, that, in this scenario, am I upset because I have less partners available or because <laughs> yes, I'm, yes, that's oh, okay. it. That's it. You have <laughs> less partners. Not the cause, the effect. <laughs> right. You have fewer partners available. I'm not. Su- I'm honestly not surprised by this. It just yeah, feels thanks. like, I, I don't know. You know, I think back to like being a kid or being a teenager. And to me, it felt like young uh, uh, um, teenage parenting, you know, and like the, 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 um, the, the idea of like sex as like the, as like doing, I mean, I'm going to quit quote limp biscuit but like doing it for the nookie, right. you know, and like the way that it was seen as just this, like uh, um, almost like a, epidemic you know of 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 teen parents and teen sex sure. and, and and unsafe sex you know to me it felt like oh it was it was the thing that everybody was trying to do i of course was not i was too scared but i was like everyone's trying to do this thing mm-hmm. and and then as adults like of course we're only going to lean into that but I, I i think for some reason even though culture has remained in a lot of ways sex obsessed i think that the like the more between COVID and between kids being more mature now than we were then, I think there's actually this this turn where it's become less of a need for validation per se, or maybe less of a need to feel like you've achieved a certain uh, marker of adulthood. I so agree with that, but I think, I don't think that's the reason why. I think that, I don't think there's a, I don't think there will ever be less of a need for validation because that is all anybody ever wants on social media, on the internet, on anything. And we all know this generation, that generation that is a part of the study is all about social media validation. So I think the reason why the actual human to human physical touch is there is because they're getting it in other ways. They're getting it virtually. They're getting it through different means and the satisfaction or the payoff, if you will, of the sexual connection doesn't necessarily have to come from how it was when we were kids, when we were sort of like curious and seeking out because the only thing we had was possibly a a modem that might make the porn go faster. But like (laughs) that was it. And so I feel like these kids are using things like Snapchat, et cetera, to then sort of facilitate the things that we would have been doing and trying to seek out sex or being afraid of sex or whatever it was. So I think they're still just as sexual. It's just it's it's being it's manifested in different means do you know what i mean it's manifested in a more introverted way yes i mean this is obviously a theme that i've talked about many times on the podcast which is i've i've sort of ruined my life with just the the amount of porn and just my comfort zone is porn you know uh, i always say you know uh, i know our listeners have heard this before but uh, Elliot went off to college and he started dating and meeting people. I went off to college and the first thing I did as an adult was I joined a porn site. 
Uh, and like that just goes, it just shows there was a fork in the road and I took the wrong <laughs> one, uh, which isn't to say that I don't obviously pursue intimacy, of course, and go on dates and all these things. But, but that I definitely, in hindsight, without sounding like an evangelical Christian, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had extroverted more, yeah. but I have all long wondered if obviously I think the pursuit and the ease and finding porn has become, I mean, has absolutely blown up over the last you know decade or two especially now with only fans that you can you can find anything that you want and i think that alan in concert with the fact that the apps allow us to be pickier yeah uh i think is that would be my guess as to what's contributing to sort of in fact um uh it's it's like we're we're paralyzed with choices and therefore we end up sitting home and jerking off instead of meeting someone. Yeah. It is interesting. I don't know if I, it doesn't necessarily concern me too much. Like I'm not like, I don't think it's like a, a perilous time for humanity. I don't think we're going into a Wally future where only robots will be left, but I, I do it. Another part of me, this thinks that like, okay, well, as they get older, maybe that, that virtual touch will be less of a, of a, you know, serotonin response or whatever it is. And like, maybe they'll seek out the real thing, you know, maybe well, by... let's, let's, that's a really interesting thought. And let's see, uh, did that happen with me? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yours was different. That's what I'm saying is that like, they're connecting with real people. They're not necessarily watching porn for a lot of these kids. Like porn is like old habit. They have Snapchat with friends where yeah, they can be just as sexual with someone. So there isn't you, that detachment yeah, I get that, that you have with porn. There is an intimate connection. It's just in a different way. Well, excuse me. I can have an intimate connection with an OnlyFans <laughs> star, sir. Thank you very much. Good one, Alan. I'm not talking to you for the rest of the night. Oh, end the segment. What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? I mean, I've been married for 40 years and I haven't had sex in five years. (laughs) My Aunt Joanne would say, you know, a lot of your relatives are what we would call asexual. (laughs) How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you know, I once texted your Uncle Ray a nude. It was my nude pantyhose. It was the package. They come in these little balls. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Oh, Bye. Goodbye.